0: Good morning, Steve. Hey, Dan. How are you doing today? Just fine. Just fine. What do you mean, just fine? That's so bland. Just fine. You know, I think we ought to save words like
1: awesome and incredible or outstanding for things that really are,
0: because sometimes we use those words about things that, you know, we just use them and they lose their impact. Well, maybe they've lost their impact and we just need new words and phrases. Well, words... Can have different impact for different people,
1: so I'm trying to keep them a bit precious. But I'll tell but you, I just
0: lost, you know, I just lost the meaning of the word precious by using it. Right I don't then. think you did. I think you're thinking it too hard on this. It's like the uh, hmm. doing harmonics on the dulcimer at the end of a song. Some people see that as cliche, but to somebody who really enjoys doing that, it's not cliche to them. You know,
1: here I just did not Listen to this. So here's a. Uh, here we go. So, so there's a G. Kind of tough to hit on a hammer dulcimer. There it is. It was a nice, clear G. Really? Yeah.
0: Well, That's I think a, G's are. Um, you should save G's for when you really mean something. G's, Louise. You say
1: that sometimes. Hey, listen. I I do have something that uh, I've kind of been holding back from you, and it's like a secret I, kind of thing. It's it is, and I I feel like I was disciplined in not mentioning it. Last week, when we did the podcast, um, the coffee thing that you mentioned at the beginning,
0: oh, the butter coffee, the, the well, what's it called? Silver bullet, I forget, n- nutter butter, whatever, nutter butter coffee. Uh, the you're talking about the French press, is that what you're thinking about? No, I thought we we thought, well, I guess we've had two coffee topics so far. We've got the uh, <laughs> the coffee that's got butter in it. And then um, we also have uh, the fact that you do French press. Oh yeah. Well, there's a change in my
1: life that's about as significant as to me as if I had switched from uh, playing hammer dulcimer to like kazoo. Really? Uh, I'm no longer using a French press, and I didn't mention what happened. We broke another one. Oh yeah. And I had I had actually looked into other options. Because we've broken several, that you have this one craft and you break it too easily. I went ahead and uh, made the switch, and I'm so happy to the Aeropress. Aeropress, and if I'm not mistaken, this the, the reason I think you'll like this because it's geeky. This thing was invented in 2005. It's relatively new. It's all like food grade plastic parts. And it cooks the coffee in about 30 seconds, and it's all manual, so you like press down on this thing and it goes, and it's so good. Now, forgive me, because for some people, they're going to think, ooh, he's a coffee snob, and some people are going to say, ooh, he's a coffee idiot. I really like a a Starbucks latte. Oh, I do, too. It doesn't seem to me like it's, and this is really bad, but it kind of doesn't even seem overpriced because there's nothing that tastes like it. The coffee that I'm making with this AeroPress now, Tastes exactly like it. It's just amazing, and there's no oil and no grit in it. There's none of that grain that you got from the French press, which was really always been my only complaint. But we like the oil in it.
0: Hmm. hmm.
1: I think you're not getting that so much when you're when you're having that good Starbucks coffee, and so this has prompted me to move on to uh, learning how to create foam to put on top, and, and I'm working on learning how to make cool designs so when I give my wife her cup of coffee in the morning, it can have a heart in it or something like that, which might just be wasting my time because the foam actually irritates her, but I'm wanting to, you know, the art to be overwhelming. I
0: mean, you're, we're both a little obsessive, right, about things, a little? I don't th- a little. I don't think I'm as bad as you. Yeah, I think that's true, but that's, um... I should say as good as you. You're not as good at being obsessed.
1: Right. Your obsession leads you to some pretty amazing places musically. Has led you and is partially, I think, why you are where you are. Uh, so, uh, not
0: going to complain about it. My dad kept the cleanest garage anyone had ever seen. His, it's not now. And you said, no, it's not. And you saw his toolbox. It used to be meticulously organized, it was just. And I feel like um, I have that potential in me to clean a room. But uh, music is where I really would get obsessively, compulsively, perfectionistic. Well, you know what? When somebody says obsessive or compulsive, I often think
1: in terms of short term and see that as a negative. Like you get obsessed about something for a short amount of time and then you move on past it. And it's those areas where I think it applies. But when you're talking about your music, I feel like it's
0: just research and training. Well, maybe. But, you know, like I remember my son had, at a very, very young age, came into his room and he had lined up all his Hot Wheels and color-coded everything and just had them perfectly in line with the edge of the bed. And there's kind of a... This sense of pleasure that I feel in the chest when I line things up and order things and I sometimes when I'm doing certain exercises on the instrument I I know it's a lot to ask somebody else to do because when I'm doing it I do get a little obsessive where I feel that internal sense of peace by getting everything in order you know but I don't think I'm nuts or anything hmm <laughs> we could talk
1: about that. It's only really a problem if it keeps you from doing things like combing your hair and brushing your
0: teeth. Yeah, that's right. And I think as you get older, you got to check yourself. You know, (laughs) we'll see. Yeah, interesting.
1: Uh, Before we move on, we're moving on. Well, maybe, yeah, because we're getting it's a bit personal, and yeah, this is personal too. Though I want to say thanks to to Ted Yoder great Hammer Dulcimer player who gave us a really nice review on iTunes. Thanks, Ted. For this podcast. Which also means more people have given us ratings also because uh, the iTunes store won't just won't start to show you reviews and ratings until enough people have done it. Huh. Well, that's a good idea. So so it means we're getting quite a few ratings. So thank you very much to everyone who has rated us. And uh, hopefully we can get some more people to do that. Those reviews really help as well. And what help it is! I'm not actually sure. In that, it just makes it so more people, if they type in the word Dulcimer, can find this thing. And you know, you and I are are still, I think, in uh, in a bit of a uh, amazement, maybe that it looks like this. We're kind of enjoying doing this podcast,
0: right? Because we wanted to for so long, and it just was, you know, what seven years or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that you also
1: don't want to start knowing that it's really hard to maintain. Uh, I know you're on this kick right now where you're really sick of statistics, but many out of many podcasts started. Most out of many, how's that for being generic, podcasts
0: ever started go away pretty quickly. Yeah, we make no guarantees here. This could be the last show. Yeah, I don't want it to be, though, because
1: I think it's fun, and also I think it's kept us from wasting time. <laughs> we're wasting everyone's time now on our uh, on our wasted time conversations. You know, it really
0: does discipline our conversations. It kind of—we're not doing too much or too little, you know, privately. This kind of measures us out. Hey, have you noticed that in our private conversations
1: that we're treating them more like podcasts and interrupting each other less? No, I haven't. Did you— Uh, watch it. I've noticed it. I'm like, okay, this is freaky. Everything's a podcast.
0: So maybe even marriages could be improved by, you know, you could have a husband and wife have a podcast. They could learn how to communicate better. Angie listens to some of those and sometimes they're pretty good. Yeah. I'll tell you the thing with this podcast. I know that if I was me, if I was me listening and I was not the me doing this podcast, I would probably enjoy listening to this podcast. But, um, I can't imagine anyone other, I mean, there's, we're just sitting here blabbing. Like, we're not giving people tablature, you know. Hmm. Perhaps if uh, we
1: don't do some of that stuff in the future that people get tired of listening to. What is,
0: we are two dulcimer geeks who get along, more or less, talking, and, um, You know, here's the thing. Even when we're talking about butter coffee, we have this massive uh, understanding of a foundation that is all about dulcimer. It's like every day there's dulcimer in the air. I can smell dulcimer in the house every day, you know, like somebody's cooking one. Right. So, I mean, even... It's a dulcimer life, as uh, Neil Hellman would say. Yeah. Huh. So, well... Uh you s- today, I ask you to have your instrument in your lap oh, but I do not have it in my lap right now, but i uh, it's not far from it
1: kind of handy uh just so we could could look at some stuff but I, I, no particular agenda about it but but creating one sort of on the fly here, why is it
0: that hammered dulcimers and mountain dulcimers don't play together very often? Well, there's so few of you guys we just don't see much of you
1: It's because you're hmm. Well, I mean, I, I would say
0: that's, that's one factor, you know.
1: I think you're having a bit of confirmation bias because you're in a room full of mountain dulcimers. I think that, you're showing four off because
0: you've been reading a book on critical thinking. But I think the truth is there's a <laughs> lot of festivals I go to where we don't, there are no hammer dulcimers. I mean, a lot. And, and if there yeah, are, there, there are. might be one or two or three. And, and very often there isn't any. But there are festivals where there aren't many Mountain Dulcimer players, Right, but not many. Right, but they...
1: But Well, I mean, thinking of the big one, thinking of the Everett Festival, has always been, like, the biggest. There's so many there. And uh, actually, I'm going to take a little bit of credit for pushing some of you Mountain Dulcimer players to come on and join the fun.
0: No, I think it's good. I mean, I'm just saying there's fewer of you. And then plus, when we're at these clubs... There are there are clubs that have a uh, a few hammered dulcimer players but there's definitely a lot of clubs that don't have any But I that's just a that what about number what's the what's the second reason we don't play Well uh, okay yeah that's a good idea let's move on but I
1: want to apologize for it. it's not because I've been reading a critical thinking Oh book. my goodness It's just that you create many fundamental attribution errors I'm <laughs> I'm I'm very fallacious <laughs> Yes be careful with that word Um uh, So let's put the social reasons behind us. Really? I think it's not necessarily easy for mountain dulcimers and hammer dulcimers to play together. It And when when you heard me setting up, you said, oh, I guess we're not going to talk about legato. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... maybe you should define that.
0: Well, I don't you're too quick to dismiss the social reasons, but I'll go ahead and jump with you. So technically, you're saying there's reasons that make it difficult for us to play together. I think the technical reasons make it socially difficult. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think hammered dulcimers are too loud. I think mountain dulcimers are unusually quiet compared to a lot of instruments out there. Hammer
1: dulcimers don't kill people.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think trumpets, the players. banjos and hammer dulcimers, yeah, they're on the, the, they're on the loud side of things. In a bluegrass band, the guitar has always been kind of the quietest instrument. But um, still, the mountain dulcimer is so much quieter than a guitar. One reason you don't see a mountain dulcimer in a bluegrass setting, this is just one reason, is we're so darn quiet, you know?
1: Yeah, but but see in a broader sense I would kind of like to lump together fretted instruments and hammered instruments. You want to lump for, for to to take this conversation a little farther out for a bit. So I I would say when you're playing something that is struck like this there's it's it's like uh let me let me put it this way I would say fretted instruments, and in my mind, think about the sound that you can get out of everything f- from a mandolin uh, through a 12-string guitar, or a, or a nylon guitar. Completely different ranges of sounds, but they all have something kind of similar in, in common. The mandolin on the one end is closer to a hammered dulcimer sound than a nylon-strung guitar. Would you agree with that? I think so. And but so then I think the disservice one of the disservices that happens is in the hammer dulcimer world, people say hammer dulcimer, and they're if they don't like them, they're thinking about the sound they don't like without necessarily knowing that there's as big a difference in hammer dulcimers as there is in a mandolin to a nylon strung guitar.
0: Um, that's stretching it. Mm it's not. You're just not educated in that. <laughs> okay.
1: There is. A, 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 you know, because I listen to this stuff all the time. It's all dulcimers for me. Hearing a, a Russell Cook instrument or a, a Chris Falls instrument or a Rick Thumb instrument or a Dusty Strings, I know, you know, generally I know what I'm listening to before I even see it because the timbre is so completely different. And I can usually tell you what kind of hammers they're using. You know, at least leather leather or wood or
0: too heavy or too light. Yeah, I mean, I hear... Like, I hear the difference. But some instru- hammer dulcimers, when they're struck, I hear the sound of the box more. Um, that's right. Th- uh, if you hear one that's almost solid 2 by 4s for the body, you know, you don't hear a lot of that. Um I also hear some have longer sustain, some have very little sustain. Uh, and I also hear... The soft oh, hammers stop. versus the hard hammers. Now, listen. The point. No. Is, yes. The point okay. is, uh, it's not that big a difference, unless you're just a super hammer dulcimer geek. It's it is a difference that matters. Oh, oh, that hurts, Steve. It really hurts. It makes it sound like somebody.
1: Wow. I, I want to equate what you're doing right now to racism. Oh, Really? You know. Yeah. Something that's that strong. I mean, that's how I feel about it. When you've got someone who says, well, they, and refers to this thing, I mean, when you're talking about sustain, sustain, it's it's like talking, and let me take it to a third gravitating object, which you get sick of me using that term, but I think it's the best way to describe things. what is that Cameras. from? Cameras. Anyway, no, yeah. Eh, from a, I don't even remember some books I read years ago, <laughs> but it's sometimes when you're trying to describe something it's best to stop talking about the thing and talk about something else that has similar characteristics. Good.
0: Let's talk about
1: not my we'll talk racism. About cam- <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about cameras for a minute. Oh, no. And blur. When you look at an image, it's not just the stuff that's in focus that makes you like the image. Often it's the stuff that's out of focus. Now, if you're a photographer and you've looked at lenses... You can look at an image where everything's out of focus and the stuff is in focus that should be and it looks awful and not understand that the reason you don't like it is because the quality of the out of focus stuff is bad. In photography, that's called bokeh or bokeh, some people pronounce it. To me, that's the same thing as sustain on a hammer dulcimer. It's not the length of sustain. It's not the depth of what's out of focus, the depth of field, it's called. It's the quality of the sustain. And it all has to do with the quality on a camera, with the quality of the glass. On the hammered dulcimer, it has to do with the quality of the tone. And notice I didn't even say the quality of the instrument because some instruments produce an incredibly pristine tone that just may not be a tone you like. And therefore the characteristics, the leftover characteristics of those are held within the sustain and they can be to your liking or not to your liking. To bring this around to mountain dulcimers, why don't you play with metal picks? Well, sometimes people do, and
0: I have. But why don't you all the time? I don't like the cold feel on my hand. I don't like the um, <clears throat> scrapey sound, especially on the bass string. And um, for an instrument that's already got a brash, high kind of scratchy, buzzy sound to it, adding a metallic pick. Personally, I'm not into that. It just seems like it adds too much to the highs. And, and I and I know this is stupid, but I've always wondered if it just... It's going to wear the string out and I'm going to lose an eyeball. <laughs> Your point, yeah, my that's... friend... <laughs> We're just starting. <laughs> <But> my- was <laughs> that the reason we were talking about why we don't play together more often. And then we talked about, uh, you know, you were talking about the different tonal characteristics of different instruments. That, that That was intriguing. Well, so I've got my hammer dulcimer,
1: a hammer dulcimer in front of me right now. I'm gonna play a G with a wood side of a hammer. So, there's a G. Now, if I were to ask you To reproduce that tone as closely as possible on your mountain dulcimer, how would you do it? I'd hit it with a hammer. The tone you just
0: heard. You don't have that option. A way that you play it, how would you do it? I'd probably snap the string against the fret or something. Would you like me to demonstrate? Yeah. Let's see. So I have to keep my mouth near the microphone. Let's see. (laughs) I would go like this. Let's see. This might not even work. Boy, that was loud. <laughs> that was loud. Yeah, I told you, mountain dulcimers are louder than hammer dulcimers. Yeah. So i and they. I learned this from, uh, you know, like country music Telecaster players. They sometimes pull the string away from the fretboard, release it, and allow it to slap back, and it hits. It hits. You know the. It hits probably if I'm fretting three, it's smacking against the fourth fret, I guess.
1: Okay, so now I'm going to play the exact same note with a completely different tone. How would you do that? I'd finger pick it. Let me hear it. so, what what are the characteristics of what you just did? The characteristics of that well, tone. The, the, let's. They matter, yes. I'm not asking about that. I'm I'm saying in terms of tone, you have a d s r, right? Attack, decay, sustain, release. Right. Those those are the that's what's considered the envelope for tone. So, we both changed attack. I changed it by using a wood side of a hammer and you changed it by you know, making it smack against something. And then when we made it softer, I used the leather side of the hammer plus I put my finger on the string to mute it a little bit. Which actually, uh, it softens the attack, gives you a little more of the thump that comes out of the box, which is the same thing that happens when you use your finger pads, right? right? Uh, So that's the attack. The sustain is going to be less because it's, on the second one, it's going to be shorter because it wasn't quite as loud. But the difference in the... uh, the difference in the volume from the attack to the sustain was less on the softer note. So the perceived sustain might be longer. Does that make sense? Because there's not a big difference. So when I strike this way, that attack is so loud that you don't notice the sustain immediately because the attack, the attack was you know, right out front of you. And face. the
0: sustain to me, of course, is, is a length. Um, like how long does something retain that- its energy You know, or how quick does it die off? That's actually decay. That's the... Yeah, but when we talk to builders about the sustain of an instrument, we're talking about when you hit a string, how long mm -hmm. does it take for that thing to lose energy? I think that's a mistake. You should be talking
1: about decay. Because decay is the process of losing energy. Sustain is something that has... It's the property of tone. Uh...
0: It's the tonal property of the sustain. So we've we've also, I mean, okay, so what are you saying? I'm saying that we haven't learned how to do this right yet.
1: So you and I, if we're going to play together, need to find different voices for our instruments that support each other. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I mean, when I listen to the Punch Brothers, when I listen to Chris Thiele with a mandolin, oh my goodness it's it's like a different instrument on every song unless he was if he was if Chris Theely was at a Bluegrass festival, a lot of his stuff might sound alike, but when he's playing with the Punch Brothers, it doesn't well, but see, he, I would he uses say, it like a tool
0: I, I know this is everybody thinks I'm being argumentative. I don't think that um it's I don't think it sounds like a different instrument all the time. I think he, he might be picking it uh loudly or softly, he might be picking it a different place to get it to be brighter or or edgier. And then he might be dampening sometimes. He you know, he might be but I mean it's when we when we play together, I mean I think I play with a lot of hammer dulcimers and I I think we already kind of sound good together, but maybe I'm, you know, maybe I got a problem.
1: Now there you go, self pity man taking over. That's not it. That's not it at all. I think we can sound better, and I think there's one of the reasons we don't play together a lot is because it often is too hard, and we're not used to it. And uh, and in particular, the hammer dulcimer playing just a straight melody,
0: we tend to play. Too many notes. Would you agree with that? Mm, I think, like with uh, banjo and fiddle, the fiddle, it's easier to play a lot of notes. Uh, Why? And, and then the, well, let's stay there. Stay well, there. Hang on. Why? And the claw hammer banjo plays fewer notes, but they complement each other well, like that. The fiddle kind of, as far as melodic density, kind of takes the lead. So, but yeah. But if
1: you were playing with a with a banjo, you would say it's easier for them to play a lot of notes and work with your instrument than a hammer dulcimer doing the same thing.
0: Well, and there's different kinds of banjo. So I was thinking a claw hammer, but like bluegrass banjo, they can tear it up with the notes, you know. But you, if I was playing with a claw hammer banjo, I feel like we're in a similar place melodically. And sometimes I think I can even push out some more notes than they can as far as the technical um what you know what's hard to do or whatever with with a bluegrass banjo they're gonna tear it up i mean i don't think you guys play i think it's easier for you to play more notes and sometimes that's a good thing i guess anybody who has the ability to play lots of notes it's always nice when they could be tasteful and 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 of course respond to the situation and sometimes play simply and stuff. I mean, one problem with with uh hammered dulcimers, you guys have to look at your strings a lot. And so That's right. I've always like when I'm up there with King Kalodner or Rick Thumb or you, I just feel a little bit disconnected from you guys cuz it's like it reminds me of star uh Star Wars when 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 Chewbacca's flying the the ship. <laughs> He's not looking around and making eye contact with everybody. It's kind of like the Hammer Dulcimer is a large spaceship control panel, and I am in the uh, co-pilot seat, which that's fine. <laughs> wow, that was the third gravitating object. <laughs> <laughs> so the the thing is, um, uh, we, you know. There is the, I mean, if we're on microphones, I don't think the volume thing is such a big deal. I would not expect you in an acoustic environment with no microphones, you would naturally be louder than me unless you lightened up. And I wouldn't ask that of you. It causes you to kind of, it's like, wow, every time Dan has to play with Steve, Dan has to limit his dynamics I, mm. so much that he, he you know, it's, it's just like asking somebody to whisper all the time. I don't think so.
1: For the sake of uh, you and I getting to play music together in the future and both of us ha- being happy with it, you should absolutely ask that. Uh, Aaron O'Rourke and I play together a lot. There aren't many players who play softer than Aaron O'Rourke. And when I'm playing with Aaron, uh, one of the things I really love about it is it gets generally Softer and softer for both of us. And that's nice. And I think it's made me be a better player. Uh, And I think Aaron would say, it's made me be a better player too.
0: (laughs) Here's something you haven't probably dealt with. Like when I play with other instruments, so I have a dynamic range, a volume range. I got everything from the very quietest stuff to the really loudest stuff that might even cause the strings to rattle a little bit. And I probably hang out most of the time, around you know sixty percent of that full dynamic range. Um, but when I play with just about any instrument, and and this is very hard for me, but subconsciously I just start playing louder, 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 and I'm living in the very top of my dynamic range. My hands get tired quicker, which means I can't pull off cool ideas. My instrument's buzzing. And, and then I just don't get to do the sweeter stuff, you know? And I, I, the one thing about bluegrass instrument, I mean, if you go to a bluegrass jam in Nashville, the good players will get quiet. Um, but it, it kind of always makes me feel like when a kid walks in the room and everybody just kind of listens to him for a second and then they're done with it, I'm not going to ask these guys in town to accommodate my awkward, quiet instrument all night, every week or something. You know what I mean? And you're... I don't want to ask you... Like, sometimes when you get really excited, it's super emotionally powerful. And I can't match you on that without a microphone. And I bet you Aaron... I mean, Aaron's already a light player, but... I bet you we both are living in the top of our dynamic range just because we want to, you know, be musical buddies with the hammered ulcimer players.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So a compromise is necessary for all of us.
0: Which is all right. Just because of,
1: yeah, because of the dynamic range of the instruments. Yeah. But uh, allow, you know, the me representing the hammered ulcimer people right now to say that, we want to play with you at your best. And if that means adjusting what we do, I kind of think you owe it to us. Well,
0: we both can adjust a little bit, but we don't owe anything to each other. (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, maybe we see that differently. I don't know. Depends on what the goal is. I mean, if you want, yeah, we you, you do need to accommodate other instruments. Some instruments just seem to go together a little better Maybe there's fewer obstacles, and I certainly don't mind. But, you know, if you and me are on a microphone.
1: I hate it. I, I hate, hate it. that I would part rather of us it. not be but on a microphone. But what
0: I can do is tell myself to relax. When I play with an orchestra, I have to remember to turn that microphone up a little louder than I think. Because when I get into that show, I want to be able to relax. I don't want to have to be beating it out on the thing, you know. Hey, (laughs) we're about out
1: of time, but I want to bring up a painful memory for both of us. Oh, no. And I want to say to all our dulcimer peeps out there that this has nothing to do with dulcimer festivals at all. Really? What's this? It's a gig you and I did together uh, in another state. Don't even have to... Well, it doesn't matter. It was down in Georgia, and it was some fair, some kind of country fair thing or something, and the sound was just awful, and we were you know we were trying to do a gig just Mountain Dulcimer and Hammer Dulcimer together and i think we went a long time after that without ever playing together again really <laughs> yeah but it was because of the miking situation it's just neither one of us could get a feel for it i felt like we never connected i just feel like it was a train wreck hmm. from beginning to end and that whole i would say this if you're going to play in front of people spend a lot of time playing without microphones and get be really comfortable with what you do and do it musically and kind of I'm trying to figure out a, a pleasant way to say this kind of just forget about it about about the mics and just sort of go they're either going to be good or they're going to be bad there's not really much I can do about it but I want to be good or bad so one of the reasons like uh, my mo almost all the time when i'm playing with Aaron or with you you've seen i'll just say no monitors please if possible and if it's outside maybe you can't get away if with that if i got a but. good
0: monitor set up and a good guy running it
1: i mean ah uh, see it, here's the conflict right there because when you turn monitors on with a hammer dulcimer because the mics are facing down mm-hmm. you change the whole you change the whole thing yeah and that, that's, now that I think about it, that's one of the things that happened that day.
0: See, I often play, I mean, almost always request the monitors to be off, but I absolutely, absolutely need them because I cannot hear myself up there if I'm with other musicians. And so when I don't hear myself, I play, subconsciously I play harder and louder, my hands are getting worn out, and I'm back into that vicious cycle. I'm asking you to trust me if we're playing together that I do
1: not want to be louder than you. And if I see that you're getting quieter,
0: I will get quieter. I think you're, you're one of the best I've ever played with as far as playing quietly, but I still think you're louder than you think. And I'm a lot. You can, you can control that. I'm certainly louder than I think. I'm
1: 100% <laughs> with you. But if you get quieter, I will recognize that you're getting quieter, yeah, you're, and that's my signal to play more softly. You're pretty
0: good at that, but you don't do it as much as you think you do. Then you need to get quieter no, still. No, y- you mean
1: louder. No quieter. When That's the signal when you're on stage with somebody
0: that the other person's playing too loud. I've found that because dulcimer players are dealing with like 6,000 strings, they're not as attentive to some of that stuff, and I don't yes, I'm against We're, it. We're smarter than you think, no, we, I think are. We're like, paying, we are. You're like, you're smarter than I think you are. I know that.
1: <laughs> we're paying attention to you. And if you're playing loud, we're trying to match volume. I mean, sometimes we'll not be good at it. See, this is. I'm a,
0: telling you, yeah. you need to get quieter if I'm too loud. I've done that. I'm going to get quieter if you're too loud. I don't expect. I have plenty of grace and mercy for our relationship. I don't think uh, that you have to, you know, it has to be perfect all the time. But. I have lived. I this is my life, the the mountain dulcimer life, and I'm telling you, when I get quieter, it it it, it very very often is not noticed. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about everybody. <laughs> and it uh, sure you are. No, no, no. I really am not. You, I'm serious. You're one of the best at at that. You you are more attentive to me than 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 many, but. Um, no, uh, the good musicians I play with, they definitely, they're listening. They're listening to everybody, and they're, they're making, you know, changes. Rick Thumb, Ken Kolodner, I mean, I've, I've done this kind of thing. Here's the situation, and maybe this all comes back to why we all don't play together more. Um, it's a touchy subject, but the absolute truth, I believe, is that you guys are a lot louder than us. <laughs> and it, it's hard to make it work out right. Like you're saying, if there's no microphones and you've got attentive, sensitive musicians, yeah, you're going to get the best possible out of that situation. Uh, so, many, so many times we just seem to not have the luxury of the best situation. I think we should play together more. I love it. I love playing with Hammer Dulcimer. Love it. Um. But, and you know, I've the, the mountain dulcimer doesn't have a lot of power as far as volume goes. And I've lived that life. You could argue that maybe I have some kind of complex about it. But I feel like. Oh,
1: there's no doubt about that. <laughs> I am the. Um,
0: <laughs> what was that quarterback? Doug Flutie? Was he the short quarterback? I feel I like. I don't know anything about that. Mountain ball. dulcimers are the Doug Fluties of the musical world. See a basketball player. We can still land a touchdown, man. Do you land touchdowns? Well, you don't. I don't think you. Uh, I don't think there's any kind of <laughs> metaphysical transfer into the ball. We
1: still, wait, is this still the Chewbacca reference?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, just for the record, this is the biggest we've known each other for like I don't know, ten years or something, eleven know. years. Probably not that long. This podcast maybe. is the most we've ever fought. You know, this has been our most contentious moment. You feel like we're fighting them? Nah. I don't think so. But I'm thinking if somebody was listening to this, they would think, you know, what's wrong with these people? Or they're, they're I get, thinking, what's wrong with Steve, probably.
1: Uh, well, there you go, Mr. I feel so sorry no, for you, Steve. No, sometimes there, it's sarcasm better?
0: and you mistake it.
1: All right. As we're having this conversation, the only thing that's running through my mind... First off, I forgot we were even doing a podcast, which I think is the way I want it to be. But next, I'm thinking, wait a second. The more we talk about this, the
0: better it will be the next time we play together. Well, that's true. Why don't hammer Dulcimers and Mountain Dulcimers play together more often? Why don't I buy Juicy Fruit more often? I like Juicy Fruit. I I can't (laughs) break all that down in, in in a nice little package, I'm afraid. I like no, but fruit. you got
1: to talk about it. You got to have a conversation. If the only thing that you ever do is you practice your songs by yourself, and then you go to a festival and you see somebody and you go, "Let's play it," and you're both playing this solo version of something you've worked out, it's. I mean, it might be okay if people want to hear that sort of thing, but you know that you've seen the magic take place when people spend a little extra time working at it. Or they're really good at being sensitive to what's happening right now, and they're like, wow, dude's shining. Let's just stay back, let him shine some more,
0: or her. There's more spectral energy coming out of your instrument than mine, by far. No. All right, Deepak Seafruit. have <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we've,
0: we've this poor horse. We need to be done. Listen, I love you. I love your, your love of coffee. I love your desire to be <laughs> dulcimerically connected uh, with the people you love in this world. And Dan Landrum, I thank you from the bottom of my heart
1: oh, goodness. for
0: all the spectral energy you spread everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I can say to, that's appropriate after
1: you say something like that, other than you're just a, you're a geek. And I'm out of here. Later, dude.